If you will, take your Bible and hold it up. Hold it up high. What you have in your hand right now is wisdom. What you have in your hands right now is comfort. It's peace. And the thing I like the most about it is it's power. It's power. If you will, take it and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Well, I like that, but I don't know if it's a great idea. Because you're all going to be standing up with me the whole time if we do that. I learned a lot from Kenny, but I don't do things exactly like Kenny. Uh, So I suggest you sit down. (laughs) It definitely... It definitely uh, requires our respect and our reverence. Uh, but uh, Bill Strickland's going to be mad at me. We're going to go as far through this chapter as we can go. <laughs> I am going to try to keep it short. That's the reason I cut out the telling you a little bit about me and all that. But Luke chapter 15, we'll start in verse 1. I like to just roll through this and stop and kind of camp out on verses here and there and and just what's on our hearts what's on our minds where's God lead us and then try to wrap it up Uh, but in verse uh, chapter 15 verse 1 it says now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him we can all realize that him is Jesus Christ right there right they've all gathered around And, and notice who's coming to hear him Tax collectors, sinners. What we know about tax collectors. I I know being self-employed for so many years, uh, January, February is not a very welcome time in my life. I don't like those months because it's tax time. And for self-employed people, it means you're paying in. Uh, For those that have got jobs, you're hoping to get a return, right? So it can be a good time for you. But think back of these, these days, back biblical times where guys were out in their fields working. They were trying to survive. They was farming. They was, doing th- they was working hard, right? And there would be this fella come up dressed real nice. And he'd be standing there with his hand out, his nice, clean, soft hand. Would be stuck out. You need to pay in your taxes. And he's looking at his all dirty and barely getting by, you know. They didn't too much like tax collectors. Um, so they wasn't a very favored people, right? And then you got sinners, those sinners in the Bible. We can assume, hey, what, we, still, we still call people sinners today, right? We know what crowd we're talking about, that rough and rowdy crowd, the ones that's always getting in trouble. They, I mean, there's they's always trouble following them around. You can uh, rest assured if you hang out with those, that crowd that you're going to find yourself in trouble too, right? Those sinners, right? Not a very favored crowd again. But who does it say is coming to hear him? Them. Those are the ones that are gathering around to hear Jesus. Verse 2 it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law mutter, These men welcome sinners. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now I wonder, you know, how the tax collectors viewed the other groups mentioned here and how the sinners viewed the other groups here. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, we, we can see how they viewed 
the tax collectors and sinners, right? They're not worthy to be around Jesus, and why is Jesus spending time with them? These people are, they're not worthy. The sinners, the tax collectors, the Pharisees, the teachers. I, I look at the tax collectors and I think greedy, selfish, right? The sinners, that rough, rowdy crowd. The Pharisees, those more holy than thou. The self-righteous, prideful people. And then the teachers of the law, those goody-goodies, Bible thumpers, know-it-alls. That's how the other groups look at the other ones, right? They all view each other and they, that's how they kind of label each other. They all got opinions about the other ones, right? And here we're seeing, well, these this two groups have gathered around to hear Jesus, and you got these other two kind of criticizing them and Jesus for even giving them the time of day. And what does Jesus do in verse 3? He just goes to preaching. This, he's got the authority and He's got the power to set these people straight right then and there. He, he's got it. he can nail it down. He can bring punishment on it. He can do whatever He wants to set this right. But listen at how kind and gracious and patient He is with all of these groups of people. Verse 3, it says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has, hunt, has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Does anybody color in their Bible? Anybody? You highlight? Crayons work much better. Colored pencils, whatever, because they don't bleed onto the back side of the other page. That, that's colored in right there in my Bible. He goes after the lost sheep until he finds them. Verse 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it up on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What does Jesus mean by those who don't need to repent? We all know that we're all sinners, right? That we all need to repent. So we can only assume here that Jesus is saying those who in their heart feel that they've done their wrong, that they don't need to repent, that they're righteous in their own mind. But that one, that one sinner, and notice the word he used there. What did the Pharisees and the teachers of the law call those other people? Tax collectors and sinners. But we all fall into that boat, don't we? Those tax collectors, sinners. That sinful crowd, the rough and rowdy crowd, they're sinners. Pharisees, teachers of the law, still sinners. If one will repent and turn back to God, all of heaven breaks out into a celebration. They rejoice. 
So just remember that as we go through this. They're all rejoicing in heaven because of one sinner. That's what Jesus says this is like. He moves on into verse 8. Or or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Now, ten silver coins, a silver coin, not that, you know, valuable to us today, right? I mean, y'all got jars full of coins and ashtrays in your truck full of coins. And they're in your couch. They're in the seats of your vehicle. And the floorboard, all, coins is everywhere, right? And that's not that important, but hey, we're talking about biblical times here. It's a little different. If a man has two children, two boys, and one daughter, uh, and the, the fellow dies or he's near death, who gets the inheritance? The older son. We, we all know that. It ain't quite like that today. But for a long, long time, the older son inherited what the father had. Sometimes before the father was dead and gone, he would go ahead because it was the older son taking on the responsibilities of the father. It was his job now to care for the younger son, the siblings, the sisters, mom, if she's still around, and even extended family. So we've got a woman here with ten coins. And i got to ask, you know, what's the ten coins about? Well, sometimes a father would... I don't know, maybe doubt the, the responsibility of the older son, or, or I don't know, maybe he just really wanted to make sure he, he looked out for the daughter. They would, many times the custom was to give the daughter coins. And they would often make a necklace of it and put it around their neck, and it was kind of like a safety net. If anything ever happened, she fell on hard times, she could take one of those coins and get herself back on her feet. But it turned into something else. Not only was it somewhat a safety net, it was kind of a status too, because if you was out in town, you know, like they did, she's got her ten coins around her neck, and then there's another lady here, she's got her ten coins, and she's got her ten coins, she's got her ten coins. There's kind of a stand, you should have that necklace of ten coins. If you show up to town, or to church, or wherever, you've only got nine, oh, something's happened. She's had to use one of her coins. And then they see the lady with only three coins. Oh, what kind of mess has she got herself into? She's only got three coins left. Her dad wouldn't be too proud of that. Right? Y'all, y'all see how that kind of works. So she's got ten coins. But she loses one. Doesn't say how. Whether it got snagged on something. Maybe one of the ring. Any of y'all ladies ever had a piece of jewelry fail? Like the latch or something break on it and it fall off? Or one of your kids grab a hold of it, you know, and break it? I know I've tried to fix so many of them for my wife. I mean, there, there's constantly some little ring or something breaking. I, I can only imagine what happened to this lady's uh, necklace of, of coins here. But something happened. It failed. She lost a coin. It says, does she not light a lamp, sweep the house... And search carefully until she finds it. Again, we've got someone searching after something that was lost. And they search until they find it. Verse 9, And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. Over one sinner who repents. I wonder, are you thinking about the day you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
Are you thinking of that time? Man, years and years and years ago, one September morning on a Saturday, playing in a sandbox, I gave my heart to the Lord. And all of heaven broke loose in a celebration because one sinner had repented. That's how much God values us. That's how much God values you. All of heaven, all of His angels, all those who have gone before us, they break out into a celebration and rejoice. Praise God for what He has done. That's how, you, how much you're made over you know, for, for God. God just, He loves us. He cares that much about us. Now we're going to move on to the prodigal son. Verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. I found that really odd. So I, I, I hung out on that for a while. And I thought I couldn't help but think about my teenage years and how disrespectful and all I was. How much I wanted to get out on my own, do things my own way, you know. Quit living under my dad's rules. Y'all know how that is. A lot of you men can relate to that. But girls, you can too. You want to do things your way. We all want to do things our way. We want to get out on our own, do it my way, right? They've wrote so many songs. I'm my way. This son, I can only imagine that him and his dad were not getting along too well. The son was bucking him on every corner. I mean, just giving him the hardest time. And for him to say to his dad, hey, why don't you go ahead and divide up the estate and give me my share of the inheritance? For him to say that, it's just like saying, Dad, why don't you hurry up and kick the bucket so I can have what's coming to me and I can do things my way. That's what it's like. The most disrespectful statement that a son could ever make to a father. Something amazing happens here. Remember what's going on. We've got a crowd of guys that have, or people that have come around to hear Jesus. And we've got some talking bad about them and, and can't believe that Jesus has even given them the time of day. But he starts going through and, and telling them these parables of how valuable certain things are to certain people. Like the sheep to the shepherd. Like the coin to the woman. And like the son to his father. His father does something amazing here. Instead of getting mad and giving his son a backhand and kicking him out and saying, all right, fend for yourself, I ain't giving you nothing. Instead of doing that, he does something absolutely amazing. He tells his son, okay, I'll divide it up and I'll give it to you. God is a perfect gentleman. He's patient, he's kind, he's loving. And how many times have we got something in our head, man, I'm going to do this. Or I want, to do the, I want to do that. How many times have we got something in our head and we, we keep trying to pursue something, pursue something, pursue something to the point where uh, maybe our father, maybe our mother, or maybe even God says, you know what, go ahead, do it your way. You stubborn, hard-headed person. I <laughs> mean, I've heard that so many times in my life. Dad always told me, you've got to learn things the hard way. You, got to go, you can't learn from my mistakes or anybody else. You've got to go learn for yourself the hard way. And he'd usually follow that up with the old goat head. 
You know, and that's, and I'm saying, yep, I'm just like you, Dad. <laughs> I mean, that's the way, you know, we are. We're all stubborn, hard-headed, and God will sometimes say, just like this, Father, all right, you'll learn the hard way. And he'll be there waiting and hoping. The Father gives him half of the estate. Verse 13 it says, not long after that, the young son got together all he had, set off to a distant country. He got as far away as he could. He just took off. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. Have you ever found yourself in need? That's something else all those people are. The tax collectors, that sinful crowd, those Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the sheep, the son, they're all in need. You and I, whether you know it or not, whether you've admitted it yet or not, every single one of us in this room, in this world, are in need just like them, in need of a Savior. He found himself in need. Verse 15, So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Do you all know anything about pigs in the Jewish uh, uh, nation, the the Jewish people? Uh, They all knew, they were very familiar with this. For Jesus to say that he had gone out to feed the pigs meant that he had fallen as low as he possibly could. He was at rock bottom. He had it all back at home. Everything was great. He had family. He had love. He had peace. He had comforts. Of home. He had all everything that he could ever need. He had a name. He had everything. And he blew it. He, he threw it all away. He found himself at rock bottom in need. If you've ever been there, I have. If you've ever been there, you'll say and you'll do just about anything if you got any sense to you at all, to get back to where you know is right. To get back to a place of peace, out of misery, out of suffering. You'll do anything. Even call on the Lord. You'll even call on the Lord. So he's found himself feeding pigs. He's at rock bottom. Verse 16. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, that you need to mark that down right there. When he realized, man, what have I done? Who have I become? When he realized the shape that he had got himself into, the decisions that he had made had led him to this place. When he came to his senses, what am I doing? This ain't where I need to be. This ain't who I am. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He makes a decision. He decides in his heart, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. 
This fellow took everything that his dad gave him, half the inheritance, and he took off. He set out for a distant land, and he went, and he went, and he went, and he had fun. He just went and blew it all. He, he just had himself a great time, but he found himself in an absolute mess. And when he came to his senses, he decided, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go this way anymore. I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to what I know is right. I'm going to go back to my father. And that's what we have to do every single day, every moment in our life. You and I, we constantly, just like all these people that are mentioned, we sin, we fall away from God, we make so many poor decisions, we're constantly, even us church-going people, we've been raised in church, gone to church our whole life, served in the church, so many of us, all of us, at some point every day, we sin and we fall a little bit away from God. And we have to realize, I'm going to stop. I'm going to come to my senses, realize what I'm doing. I'm sinning before a holy God who loves me and has done so much for me. I'm going to turn from that and I'm going to go back to Him. I'm going to return to Him. I'm going to call out to God. That's what He's done here. He said, I'm going to go back to my Father. And while He was still a ways off, a long ways off, I love this, His Father saw Him. His father had stuff to do. This son had, had, had done all this. To, I mean, disrespected him. I mean, blew it all. Wasted the money. Everything. How, how would we handle that? We've all got somebody in our family, whether it's a, a sibling, cousin. We know somebody, a friend, somebody that's really done us wrong at some point, Right? took advantage of us did you forgive them did you deal with them patiently kindly did you anxiously anxiously await for them to turn back and do what was right the father never gave up on the son he continued to look every morning every evening he's looking out at the horizon man is he going to come back today I'm sure he went out in search of his son. But on this day, it says, the father saw him at a long ways off. And and think about this. The boy is hungry. He's starving. His clothes is rags. He's dirty. He's been in with the swines. He's wore out. You know that he's weak traveling all this distance back. And, And along the way, you know the devil was telling him, man, you don't have to do this. Just, you know... You're tired. Why don't you just stop right here and, and see if you can get some help here? The devil was telling him all kinds of things on that long journey back to his father. Oh, you can do it this way. You can, you can still do it on your own. You can get back on your feet. And the son was wore out. He's probably just barely getting by, dragging his feet. But his father saw him. And it says he ran to his son. One of my favorite Bible verses says that if we'll draw nigh unto God, He will draw nigh unto us. If you and I will turn just a little bit to God, if we will turn to Him just a little bit like this son did, make just a little bit of an effort and look back to God, it says He comes running to us. And how does He do it with open arms? He says He threw His arms around Him and He kissed Him. Verse 21, the son said to him, look at this, he's following through with what he planned in his heart to do. He says to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. 
Look what the father does. Verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me... Does it say a decent robe? An okay robe? It says the best. <laughs> oh, he says, Bring the best robe and put it on him. God don't want okay for your life. God don't want it to be decent, fair. God wants what's best for you. And He says that if you believe in His Son, He's going to clothe us with a white robe. He's going to cover our sins. He's going to make us righteous. That's what's best for us. We're going to be up there with Him one day for all those who believe, for all those who have repented, for all those trusting in Jesus Christ. We're going to be up there rejoicing. We're going to be up there rejoicing when somebody else makes that decision. How much should we celebrate it when somebody here on earth chooses to follow Christ, to turn their life over to Him? How, how should we act here on earth if we know heaven is doing that? He says, get the best robe, put it on Him. Put a ring on His finger. He's saying that ring signifies that He belongs to this family. And that's exactly what God's telling you. God says that Holy Spirit that you feel moving in your heart, that's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. That's a, a ring. It's sealing you. It's saying, hey, you belong to my family now. That's what that Holy Spirit in you, that you feel moving. That's what He tells you. You belong to the family of God. And He puts sandals on His feet. He says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. We're all going to sit down. For all those who believe, we're all going to sit down in heaven at the feast at His table and we're going to have a, a great celebration. All of us together. Hallelujah. Hey, are y'all happy? Do you hear the Word of God? It's telling you we're going to celebrate. Hey, anybody ever been to any kind of party before? Had a good time? It ain't got nothing on what God's going to have for us. It's not, I don't care, where's your favorite place to eat? Somebody say real quick. Applebee's. That it? Jay Peters, we're getting better. Some of y'all eat really good, I know. One of them $100 places. Somebody's got a favorite place in here, they're going, I don't know if I want to say it or not. You've eaten really good. We do. Hey, Baptists love to eat good, don't we? Ain't got nothing. It's not going to compare to the feast that we're going to have with Him. Don't you want to go? Hey, don't you want everybody else to go too? Look how God's telling us. He's showing us right here. He's showing us what we're like. And we're prideful. We're like them sheep. We like to wander away sometimes. Sometimes we're like that coin. Things just happen and we find ourselves somewhere we're not supposed to be. We find ourselves not where we're supposed to be. Sometimes we're like this son and we're just rebellious. We won't do things our way. But what's he telling us about himself through these verses? I'm patiently awaiting. And I still love you no matter what. I love you if you wander off. I love you if you find yourself somewhere you're not supposed to be. I love you when you're just flat out rebellious and you go your own way. 
says, I love you. He says, let's celebrate. Verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. I want to ask you today, why, why did you come here? Did you come here to get a word from God? Did you come here to worship Him with thanksgiving for just letting us know about Him? Are you thankful that the Lord has revealed Himself to you? Man, I am. And I'm amazed by it every day. I'm not worthy. I do not deserve it. I've sure not earned it. But God has shown Himself to me. And He's shown Himself to you. Not because we're worthy. Not because we've earned it or deserve it. Simply because He loves His children. And He wants them to come home. The Word of God to me, it does two things. It shows me I'm a sinner that's in need. And it shows me He's the only one that can save me. And the work of salvation belongs to the Lord. I can't earn it. I'll never deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. It all rests on Him. Have you placed your hope, your trust, your faith in the only one that can save? That good shepherd? He tells me right here in His Word that He goes after the lost, the lost sheep, until He finds it. And when He finds it, says he joyfully puts it upon his shoulders and then he carries it all the way home he carries us we all work ourselves to death and we try we try we try and we find ourselves weary and worn out and tired just like that son we find ourselves lost where we're not supposed to be, just like that coin. Sometimes we wander off like that sheep. But the Lord's telling us, I've taken away your sin. I've taken away your, sh- your shame. I carried it all the way to the top of that hill. He laid down His life for me, for you. And He says, let me carry you all the way home don't you want to go home don't you want to see others go home is today that day let's pray Father God I thank you I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house to open up your word Lord with these other believers but Father if there's one here today that's not surrendered their life to you yet God I pray today is the day don't let them leave this place without receiving You as their Lord and Savior. Father, we thank You again for all that You've done, all You're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.